Chapter 27 I belong to a third, distinct sex, which as yet has no name, higher or lower, more defective or superior. I have the body and soul of a woman, the mind and power of a man, and I have too little of both to be able to pair with either. Théophile Gautier, Mademoiselle de Maupin, 1836 Late next Saturday morning, my professor and I drive east. It's a cold December day, and few other vehicles share the road. We reach Yakima by mid-afternoon and check into her customary Howard Johnson room. I set down our luggage and stretch, while my professor looks rapturously outside, where steam billows from the nearby hot tub. There is no better relaxation after long hours on the road than a hot soak, she proclaims. Will you join me? I unzip the front pocket of my backpack and remove a pair of bathing trunks. Of course, I even brought proper attire this time. Babette chuckles. You and your petite bourgeois morality. The Presbyterian church must be so proud. I roll my eyes. <laughs> if anyone complained about you, they'd hear a charming story about French culture shock. When guys like me get naked in public, people just call the police. No thanks. A soak does sound wonderful, though. Babette strips down to lacy red panties, and together we walk outside, bracing against freezing central Washington wind that swirls through the empty courtyard. I hurriedly remove the jacuzzi cover and climb in. My professor follows. I recline on one side, my chilly body rejoicing as hot water circulates around us. Bubbles rumble as they explode when my ears dip below the surface. Babette grimaces, her glasses now opaque visors from condensation. This machine could hardly melt an ice cube. Ah, uh, well, perhaps it will improve. At any rate, tonight we have a splendid program. The featured musician is named Awadajan Pratt, a musical genius. He performs on piano as well as violin. This will be my first time seeing him in person. If what people say is true, this should be a tremendous event. They play him often on my radio station, and his technique is tremendous. A true master. We are so lucky to have him perform here. Right on. You always know the good ones. I lazily raise a hand out of the water and wipe away perspiration. Dead skin hangs in a strip from my thumb. I peel it free. Another piece comes loose at the wrist. As I flick it away, my whole arm appears covered with flaking layers. Panic rushes through me. Babette! I exclaim. There's something wrong! What do you mean? My skin is coming off. See? That looks awful. Is that just your arm? I don't know. Oh, my other hand also. I'm coming apart. What the hell? Wait. I peer down into the depths. I think I see something. I fumble for the underwater light button and press it. My body immediately recoils. Our entire tub teems with strange particles. Some dance in slow motion around our legs while others float along the surface. Babette, there's something horrible in here with us. It looks like an armada of jellyfish or something. My professor glances over, face aghast. Oh no, Ross, I am so sorry. My vagina bled again this morning, so I packed my panties with tissue paper to soak it up. They may be disintegrating. She reaches down and tugs at her red lacy underwear. A cloud of pinkish wisps billow forth, backlit under the glare. My stomach somersaults. Oh, Christ. 
I stand upright into the cold air, but am instantly covered by a slick film. I leap out of the tub and reach our room with quick strides, barely registering the icy wind. Tissue covers me scalp to toes in a thin sheen. Gagging, I enter the shower and crank it full blast. A tiny bar of hotel soap provides just enough lather to remove the slime. Head, neck, torso, everywhere. My urgent hands scrub each centimeter of skin. At last, I lean against the smooth plastic enclosure and simply let cleansing hot water flow over my body. Babette wanted a chauffeur and household helper. This is not what I signed up for. Several minutes later, I turn off the tap and step out onto cold tiles. The exhaust fan whirs loudly. Once dried, I wrap a towel around my waist and re-enter the hotel room. Babette sits on the nearest bed, her round face filled with concern. Ross, I really am so sorry. How negligent of me. I grit my teeth. It's okay. I'm fine now. You should go wash also. All right. Afterward, we shall have a delicious meal here. You will enjoy that we? True, lunch was some time ago. While she showers, I dress and then slowly turn the worn pages of Mademoiselle de Maupin, an old French novel by Théophile Gautier. Its antique pages smell reassuring, and my appetite gradually triumphs over nausea. Upon returning, Babette beams, seeing me thus engaged. She flings aside her towel, sits down, and pulls on black thigh-high stockings. Ah, oh, Ross, my heart explodes with delight seeing you appreciate my library, or Gautier especially. Everyone has forgotten these classics, even in France. Well, I do my best, but students, they prefer the same old rubbish. It makes one long for death. However, when these stories live again in your hands, oh, such a joy. Once she dresses, we walk down to the dining room, where a buffet awaits. There are only three tables occupied in the large dining room, decorated with agricultural-themed photographs. I select mashed potatoes and dinner rolls, squint darkly at wilted greens in the salad bowl, and finally accept several slices of roast beef from a man who stands, carving knife in hand toward the end. We sit, and Babette continues her exultation of Awadaj and Pratt's musical career between bites of food. Through a wide window, dusk settles, the low sun casting amber fractals on simulated wooden panels. After small saucers of mint ice cream for dessert, we make our way to the Capitol Theater and take seats in my professor's accustomed spot, halfway down, on the right. A full house chatters and well-groomed attendees flip program pages. After a lengthy wait, the brocade curtains part, revealing a grand piano. The crowd is silent as Pratt enters from stage right, wearing a colorful vest with striped pants. Thick dreadlocks frame smiling cheeks, which beam above a bushy black beard. Sitting down gently, he waits, fingers poised above the keys. With a rush, the orchestra begins playing, but Pratt holds back. It almost seems he has forgotten, until BOOM! His fingers crash down in a thunderous cascade of notes. My skin tingles. He is electric, locks swaying and shoulders shifting back and forth as the music fully takes possession. A tornado loose across central Washington could not equal this powerful display. I glance over at Babette. She leans forward in her seat, eyes wide and mouth parted. After ten minutes, the first piece ends, and my professor leaps to her feet, applauding furiously. Others clap as well, but no one else rises. Babette stands alone, her bulky shape above me, silhouetted against the ornate gilded ceiling. She curls a baleful lip in my direction, then turns, facing the audience behind us. 
Are you people dead? She shouts at top volume. Her arms beckon upward. Hundreds of heads turn. I stand immediately beside her, and on cue, our entire section rises. Within seconds, the whole audience joins in. If Pratt summoned tornadoes from his fingertips, it is returned with hurricane force as thousands of hands collide again and again. The ovation continues until every finger smarts. It seems our applause will never end. When we sit once again, the concert continues. Babette trembles beside me, face aglow. Almost two hours later, the curtain drops for a final time. Oh, Ross, did I not promise you an unforgettable evening? My professor asks as we file towards the exit. Absolutely. She bobs her head. I must congratulate Mr. Pratt in person. We descend to a wide, ornate chamber in the lower levels, where well-wishers pack tightly around a long table. There, Pratt sits before a forest of outstretching hands, face open and genial. Babette moves near a booth where CDs are arranged for sale. She purchases one, and then determinedly pushes other admirers aside. Several well-heeled patrons scowl, but she ignores them. I hang close behind as my professor penetrates the dense crowd and looms over Pratt. Oh, sir, she cries. Your performance tonight was beyond words. I cannot express myself, but please know it has been exquisite. Would you kindly sign this recording for me? Pratt beams up at her. Thank you. How generous. What is your name? Babette. He removes the paper cover and scribbles on it with a permanent marker. My professor takes it back and presses the autograph against her bosom. Thank you, Mr. Platt. Nothing could surpass this experience. I offer every best regard.